Uh, today we're finishing up our Water Walkers series. And if you haven't been here, let not your heart be troubled. It's all right, we'll catch you up. Ain't no thing, right? But uh, if you haven't been here, it'll all make sense. But essentially, you have been called to greatness. You've been made on purpose for a purpose. It's kind of our thing around here. I want, I, I want to see the body of Christ step into their, their fullest potential. You're made on purpose for a purpose. Not just to flippantly live through life or fit into society without even thinking, but we're, we're set apart. We're chosen people, right? And, and that requires something, or it should. And it's, it's like this mission, mission impossible in a way. Your, your mission, choose, should you choose to accept it, might have ups and downs along the way. And if you're anything like me, I used to think that if God has called me to something great, then he's going to open a door and he's going to make the, the path just so clear and easy. And, and sometimes that, it works out that way. But sometimes, many times, whenever you're called into something, it's going to have its storms. It's, he's going to call us to face some things and we will grow from it. God doesn't cause the storms in our life. We know that around here. He's not behind our pain. He's not behind our, our lack, our sickness, or any of that stuff. But if we choose to follow this life, which it is a choice. I can't stress that enough. You have a choice in the matter. You can play it safe if you want, but why would you? It's awesome out there, right? But he, he's saying, get on the boat and go to the other side. Get on the boat when a storm might be approaching. When you see a storm ahead of you, are you still willing to get on the boat and start moving forward, knowing the power that you possess and understanding that, that you can trust him? He wants what's best for you. And that's the story of, of uh, the disciples, Jesus calling the disciples out on the water toward a storm, and then eventually Peter walking on the water. That's what we've been talking about for the last three weeks, now into the fourth week. But if we can start with just that, that relationship with God, it's everything. That's everything. And there's a lot of applications to this and a lot of practical steps along the way. But here I like to, to just lay this foundation because I think we skip over it many times. This foundation of the heart of the Father, this, this understanding of our identity in him. If we truly knew who we were, I don't think we'd settle for the life that we are currently settling for. I don't want us to settle for anything less than heaven on earth. That's what we're called for. Not, not wait until we die and just holding on for dear life, but we get to experience heaven on earth today. Kingdom life on earth as it is in heaven. That's, that's the goal. And yeah, there's, there's going to be some great stuff after we die. That's, that's fun. But let's, let's focus, bring it back in. And I mean, God cares about your life, your daily life, the grind sometimes. He's right there in the middle of it with you. We just have to learn to trust him. And that starts with this relationship. Are we willing to experience the fullness? I've used the example before of, of we moved into our house eight years ago, and we have a pool in our backyard. And at the time, I mean, well, I guess it was less than, it was seven years ago because our daughter Ruby is seven. So she was like six months old. For the, like two years, the first two summers, she would not get off the steps. She was just kind of putzing around in six inches of water, and she loved it, and it was great. But I would always, as her father, encourage her, there's a whole pool here. You're playing on the steps. I want you to dive into the deep end. Let's experience the fullness of this pool. And many of us believers, we're sitting on the steps and we're kind of dipping our toes in the water when there's a fullness of this life that there is to uh, be experienced. So let's jump in. Let's, and so what, what did I do? I would encourage her. I would 
probably not handle it necessarily. Maybe this is a bad example. I don't know. But I would pull her in. But uh, forget that part. But, but sometimes, eventually, she would stand on the side, and I would just be in the deep end, and I would say, just jump. Just trust me. I'm your father. I'm, you're not going to drown. I'm right here. And eventually, she did build up that trust. Took a little convincing, a little bit of time. But then, eventually, she jumped in. And now, I mean, all the kids will play in that pool for a couple hours, but she's the last one to get out. She loves playing in the pool. And, and, but it took this, this trust, this willingness to, to step out into the unknown, to experience the fullness of what, what was available. And that's, that's how we should be. We have this whole life to experience. Are we just, are we living paycheck to paycheck? Are we expecting allergies to hit certain times of the year? When it's flu season, are we expecting it to, to happen? Are, do we have a what can go wrong, will go wrong mentality? Are we expecting people to come against us, our life to come against us? If we have that expectation, we're going to oftentimes play it safe and be unwilling to jump in. And that's not what I want for me, and it's not what I want for you at Grace Life Church. So that's what we, we talk about a lot here. Let's step out. Let's go. So you have to get on the boat. Before Peter could ever step out onto the water, the disciples had to get on the boat. We had, they had to trust that it doesn't look good. This doesn't look like a good idea to get out on the water or into the boat and head into a storm, but they trusted him. They trusted him. So you have to decide that this is the life you want to live before even the, the big supernatural spectacular events can even take place. And, and so I like to say fruit grows out on the limb. Fruit grows out on the limb where, where maybe you feel the effects of the wind and the, the rain and the storms. You feel the effects a little bit more, but you're still connected. You still know that there's, there's more and that, that the Father is right there to pull you back up when you start to sink. And I'm not going to keep going down that. We've been talking about that. I could easily get distracted, but I've got a long way to go in a short time to get there, right? So let's see. So then Peter took it a step further. Not only did he get in the boat and head into the storm, he saw Jesus out on the water. And you would think that just getting in the boat would be enough. I mean, that's a pretty big step of faith whenever everything seemed bad. That's a pretty big step of faith, and that's pretty cool. But there's even more after that. And what I see many times is we're living off these old experiences. I stepped out in faith in, back in 1993, and man, God, you should have seen it. It was amazing what God did in my life. Or back in 2000, I oh mean, what year is it? 2022, 93. Some of y'all weren't even born in 93, right? But 2003, we'll say that one. You know, it's just, we, we, we live off these old experiences, but these experiences should be on the, the regular. That should be our life, that life that requires a supernatural explanation, where, where the world can step back and look at your life, look at my life and say, man, Clint, he can't do what he's doing. How is he up there? I knew him back when. Well, it's because what we say here is true. And when you learn you, who you are and whose you are, it causes this want to to rise up on the inside of you, this desire to step out on the water and do things where there's no way I could do this alone. Because if you are stepping in the areas that you can accomplish on your own, you probably will do it on your own. You won't involve God. I want to live that life where I'm just completely dependent on the Holy Spirit to lead me and guide me into all truth, where people can step back and look at my life and say, ain't no way that guy could do that alone. What does he have that I don't have? So anyway, they don't live off old experiences. Let's constantly 
be, have, have these experiences. And when things don't work out the way that you planned, just continue to trust. The other day, for example, I was, I was just driving, just driving, no big deal. I wasn't turning the wheel. I wasn't, I wasn't doing, I was driving straight down Hone, Egypt, I think. And I was just driving and suddenly my back locked up, driving. My breath was, was taken. And I was like, ah, I was about to go. I, I took my daughter Ruby out on a, a backpacking trip and it was a, a couple hours before this. And my mind immediately went to, I cannot cancel this. We've been planning this for weeks. We're gonna, I, this can't happen to me. My back, I've never had back issues and, and suddenly I'm, my back's locking up. Okay, I couldn't turn, I couldn't move the steering wheel and I kind of moved my knee up and, and pulled into the Taco Bell parking lot over there in front of Target. And I got out and I, it was so bad. I, was, I had tears in my eyes. I was about to just throw up. It hurt so bad, so, so bad. And I was out there like yelling at my back, casting, binding, loosing as we crazies do. In the middle of Taco Bell parking lot, I bet people driving by thought I was on drugs or something, I don't know. I was yelling at my back, but I was, I'd rather look weird and see a healing than be locked up the rest of the week. So I, and then after about five minutes, it took a, a little convincing of my back, but I, it just loosened up and went away and I was able to go on the trip. And it, it's just, but those are those things I could have, I could have sat there and say, oh, great. Now we can't go on the trip. I'm not that old, but I'm getting a little older. Is this what life is supposed to look like? Back pain and just random muscle spasms for absolutely no reason. This is what life is. I'm almost 40 old man. I'm an old man. And, and we have these expectations. I saw some of y'all look at each other. Uh, <laughs> but I could have easily allowed my thoughts to go down that, but I just said no. Why did that happen? I don't know, nor do I care. The fact is that I was able to, to convince myself that what God says is true, and we're just going to move on with our life. So these are this, this is a continuous expectation, these continuous experiences in our life. Some people think that's weird. Some people think that healing's weird. But like I said, I think sickness is weird. I think pain is weird. So choose your weird. I'll take mine. So let's, let's keep moving because getting in the boat is pretty stinking cool. That takes a lot, of, a lot of courage just to get out there. But then to step out on the water, that's next level. That's next level. So, so Peter... What's interesting here is there, there's 12 disciples, right? They had just fed the multitudes. We talked about this earlier, uh, but as a quick summary, they fed thousands and thousands of people with five loaves of bread and two fish. They're exhausted from the day, and immediately Jesus has them, strongly urges them to get into the boat and keep going. So they're tired, they're hungry, but in that feeding of the 5,000 plus, there was not just the needs met, but then an abundance. There's 12 baskets left over. 12. It's a funny number, right? 12 disciples, 12 baskets. So even in that, even before they even stepped out, the provision to, to go on this mission was already there. Each disciple had a basket of food, everything they needed for a successful journey. And we have everything that we need for a successful journey in our life. It's already within us. The kingdom of God is within us. You are the righteousness of God in Christ right where you sit. Not because you're perfect, not because you always act like that's true, but because of what he's accomplished on your behalf. Amen. You are righteous. You're in right standing with God. That's all that means. It has nothing to do with performance. 
That's good news. So you, you have this, this ex experience, this supernatural experience of feeding thousands of people with a little tiny bit of food. And then there's an abundance for, for the journey ahead. And then they go out there and Peter, just Peter, walks on the water. Out of all 12 disciples, one steps out. It's like the further you go in this, the less company you're going to have. You got to be willing to separate yourself from the crowd. But why just Peter? What made him so special? So there's three gospel accounts of this story of Jesus walking on the water. It's in Matthew 14, Mark 6, and John 6. But Matthew's gospel, Matthew's account of this is the only one where Peter walks on the water. That's interesting to me. Three accounts, but only one talk about their buddy Peter walking out on the water. If 12 of us got together and went out on this boat trip into a storm and Simeon just suddenly said, you know what? I'm getting out. There's a ghost out there. They thought Jesus was a ghost. There's a ghost. I'm getting out and I'm going to walk to the ghost on the water. And then it all happens. They come back and then you realize the ghost wasn't a ghost. It was Jesus. But it was, I mean, that's a pretty big deal. You get to the other side and you start writing it down. I would probably include my friend Simeon walking on the water in this story. And I looked up, I've, I've, for many, many years, I've tried to figure out why that is. And people have a lot of explanations that no one really knows. That's, that's the, the, I mean, everyone just comes to all these disagreements. But I, I have the answer in all my wisdom. Aren't you glad you come to Grace Life Church because I know more than all the Bible scholars. Amazing. <laughs> I do have a, a conclusion. I've come to a conclusion. It preaches well. So that's what we're going to go with today. But in Mark's account, I think it, it explains it. We'll see. Uh, Mark 6, verse 49 says, And when they saw him walking on the sea, that's Jesus, they supposed it was a ghost and cried out, for they all saw, for they all saw him and were troubled. But immediately he talked with them and said to them, be of good cheer. It is I, do not be afraid. Then he went up in the boat to them and the wind ceased. And they were greatly amazed in themselves beyond measure and marveled for they had not understood about the loaves because their heart was hardened. Their heart was hardened. So they had, even though they had seen and done so many different things, they still had this hardened heart. And this word in Greek, the original Greek, it means to cover with a thick skin, to harden by covering with a callus, to make the heart dull, to grow hard, callous, become dull, lose the power of understanding. Like a callus. They have a calloused heart. How do you get a callus? Friction. Just r something rubbing you the wrong way over and over and over until you begin to build up a callus. And in this case, wave after wave and rain and lightning and all of it, just the wind, just over and over and over, you, get to, you start to question things. You start to, to wonder if it was worth it. You wonder if you missed it. It's just a, a number of different things, and you just get hardened by what is presented to you on the outside. They had a hardened heart, and A hardened heart will limit you from seeing Jesus and experiencing the power of God in your life. Say so you step out and you sink. 
What if you were believing for that healing and it didn't happen? Do you stop believing that healing is even a thing? Or do you just really stand firm on what God says about your circumstances and keep moving forward? We can't allow the outside to affect the inside. We have to learn to live from the inside out. Do you mind grabbing the board? Thanks. Get all Professor Zeller on you this morning. But there, there's things that we, we've taught here at, at the church a lot, but I think this is the foundation. Sometimes what people do, I've noticed, is you know, when it comes to the message of the heart of the Father and their identity in Christ, it's like, okay, I get it. Let's move on. That's, that's the milk of God's word, but I need the meat. And whenever people talk about the meat of God's word, that's usually a lot of deep Bible stories, Bible trivia, memorizing verses, or getting into to some whatever. I mean, everyone has a different idea of what the meat of the word is, but it is in Hebrews 5.12. We'll see. For though by this time you ought to be teachers, you need someone to teach you again the first principles of the oracles of God, and you have come to need milk and not solid food. In, in the King James Version, it, talk, it says solid food is meat. Can you put the next verse up? For everyone who partakes of, only of milk is unskilled in the word of righteousness, for he is a babe. So people think that this message of identity is something, I got this foundation, now let's progress to this, this next big topic. But he says that for everyone who partakes only of milk is unskilled in the word of righteousness, it's actually the opposite. This word of righteousness, this word of identity, this, this message of God's heart for you, that's the meat, that's the substance, that's everything, that's the foundation, that's the building, and that's the end. And it should be everything that we do. And it should produce things in your life. It should produce signs and wonders. And it should produce a, that life that requires a supernatural explanation. But this isn't just a topic that you move on from. This is everything. This is everything that we need to experience life and godliness. Life and life more abundantly. Not just existing. Not just surviving. But thriving. And if we understood righteousness, if we understood who we truly were, our hearts would remain soft and we would be able to step out on the water, not sink, or be too afraid to even witness a supernatural event that's right in front of us. I think whenever they saw Jesus walking out on the water, it says they thought it, they were, that he was a ghost and it scared them. Anyone ever, oh, I shouldn't ask this. One time, I, this was before I really got into church, but I had read the Left Behind books. Has anyone read the Left Behind books? Some people get all their doctrine from the Left Behind books, but um, I don't recommend those books. We'll just say that. So it's about end time stuff. It gets interesting. And so I, anyway, I just read those and it was, Jesus is coming back and it was on in my mind and I didn't, I had no knowledge except left behind. That, that was like, I never read the Bible. I just read, read left behind. So Jesus is coming back and I was down here at the time. I think I was living at uh, uh, Fort Riley, Kansas. I was stationed in the army and I had come down here to the woodlands or Conroe at that time. And I was visiting my dad and I was on my way back to Kansas and I was just getting into Huntsville. You all know that giant Sam Houston statue? You probably know it. 
Well, I, was, I had left behind on my mind, and I'm driving, and it, just, the, the, it was about 6 in the morning. The sun was just coming up, and I see this glowing statue right in front of me on the highway. It's about that big, way out there. And I thought, that's Jesus. I thought Jesus was coming back. And then I turned my radio down, turned down the Blink-182 for a minute, and I, I, was, I was listening for the trumpets. And I was like, I thought that was it, but it scared me. At first, I thought it was a ghost. And I'm like, no, this is Jesus. He's returning. And it was just a statue of Sam Houston. And this somehow connects. I'm sure it does. But, but it kind of gave me this, like, scared moment inside of me. But if I, if I was out on the boat with, with the disciples, I see a ghost. What am I doing? I couldn't hide at that moment. But I, I believe maybe the disciples hid. So or Peter was the only one that was able to, to maintain himself, keep that soft heart, and the rest is history. But the rest hid out of fear. But we'll get to that more here in a second. But so to understand what a, I want, this morning I want to talk about two signs that you have a hardened heart. But before we get to that, I want to explain what the heart is. So 1 Thessalonians 5.23 says that we are three-part beings, right? So we are spirit, soul, body. So some of us know this around here, but it's worth repeating. So your true self, your new creation self is your spirit. That's who you truly are. Oftentimes what I say around here is we're not trying to become something new. We're uncovering who we already are. So that's, that's the perfect you. Everything uh, that, that pertains to life and godliness resides here. Your healing, here. Abundance in every area, peace, finances, joy, love, Right there. You, that is who you were created to be, right there. It's everything. The kingdom of God is here. Luke 17. The kingdom doesn't come with observation out here. The kingdom of God is within you. Will you put that up? The kingdom of God is within you. Oftentimes we're looking forward to the kingdom or outside for the kingdom. He says the kingdom of God is within you right here. The problem is you can't feel this. This, accessing this only comes by faith. So how do we do that? Well, then you have your soul. That's your mind, your will, your emotions. Your belief system resides in your soul. You can feel your soul. I could say something right now and some of you will feel angry. Some of you will feel sad. Some will feel happy. I, I can make you feel with your soul. And then your body, of course, is this physical body and you can feel that. So you are a three-part being, but you can only feel two parts of who you are. We have to convince something that this is true. And that's where the heart comes in. Right here, this line. Should use a different color, huh? This right here. That's your heart. So the goal is to live from the inside out. Let what is 
true in your spirit affect your mind, your will, your emotions, your belief system, and overflow into your body. Your healing, you convince yourself that it's true and it will start to overflow. Am I making sense? Okay, so the heart though, the heart is the doorway between your soul and spirit. What you believe in your heart, as a man thinks in his heart, Proverbs 23, as he thinks in his heart, so is he. Are we going to live by what our outside is telling us? Or are we going to live by what our inside is telling us? If you're living from the outside and the storms are taking place, this is going to get calloused, hardened, and everything that's true, it's still true, but it's going to be trapped inside because your heart is too hardened to perceive what is really going on here. Are we going to let the winds and the waves and the, the, the just barely getting by in life and the people coming against us and you name it, fill in the blanks. Are we going to allow that to affect us? Or are we going to say, you know, God's word is true and I know what he says about me. He says that I'm loved and perfect and righteous and holy and blameless. He says all these things. He says I'm powerful. He says the very spirit that raised Christ from the dead is alive on the inside of me. I'm not trying to attain it. It's there. Why am I living as if that's not true? Why am I allowing this circumstance to knock me down? And I talked about it earlier in this series, how uh, my fight with anxiety and depression, and, and it's a real problem. And it feels in that moment, I know all this stuff. I know it, but I allowed my heart to get hardened through circumstances as I'm teaching this stuff. So to say that this is just the milk and it's a, a topic that we talk about and then we move on. No, we need to be in constant remembrance of this reality. This is so vital to your experience of God's love on earth as it is in heaven. And if I got up next week and I just use these same notes and we talked about it next week, that's all we need. Because that will, this, this will motivate you, it will inspire you to apply it in other areas of your life. And yeah, of course we want to talk about practical stuff, but it, without that, without this, that's going to be short-lived. I'm really good at those 30-day challenges, real good, done so many of them. Made YouTube videos even. And, and, but then at, what happens on day 31? It all falls apart. Because I can only maintain this for so long in myself. So the heart is the doorway to experiencing everything. As he thinks in his heart, so is he. You want to know what you believe in your heart? Uh, the abundance of the heart, the mouth speaks. Listen to what you're saying. When your back spazzes out while you're driving down the road, what comes out of your mouth? Oh, great. Or some profanity, something, I don't know. But just really, what comes out? You want to know what you believe? What comes out of you when you get squeezed? That's what you believe in your heart. And what do you do? You acknowledge it and you fix it. Easy peasy. It is easy. It's simple. Maybe not easy, but it's simple. So let's see. <laughs> let's get back to Mark. Mark 6.52. It says that, they had not understood about the loaves because their heart was hard. 
The disciples had seen Jesus do countless miracles, and he fed the multitudes. That was the latest one. And then, as we talked about, the, the leftovers for them. Then they get in the boat. They start rowing. Things didn't go as planned. The wind and waves have been thrashing all night. And just like a callus forms over friction, over and over and over, getting rubbed the wrong way, their hearts became calloused. And that was just one night. It doesn't take long. This is, why it's, this is a continual process. You don't just get it and move on. We got to stay here, keep our hearts soft. So quickly, I want to talk about two signs that you have that your heart is becoming hard. And if we can at least acknowledge it, we can, at least we can prevent it from happening or correct it whenever it does happen. So the first sign of a hardened heart is uh, forgetting. Even though they had seen Jesus do many things, they forgot. It's, it's very similar to the story in Mark 8. The disciples once again, needed some bread. I'm not going to get deep into that story. They just needed bread. That's all we're talking about right now. They needed some bread. And it says in Mark 8, they, they were complaining about this. And in Mark 8, 17, it says, But Jesus, being aware of it, said to them, Why do you reason? Because you have no bread. Do you not perceive nor understand? Is your heart still hardened? Having eyes, do you not see? Having ears, do you not hear? Do you not remember? When I broke the five loaves for the 5,000, how many baskets full of fragments did you take up? They said to him, 12. I love this story. I think it's so funny. It's like whenever my kids are in trouble. It's like, we're going to talk. We're, we're having to talk. Line up. Like on the sound of music, you know? And, and, and so, line up. How many, how many baskets were left over? 12. It's 12. What? 12. You know. Also, <laughs> also, when I broke the seven for the 4,000, how many large baskets full of fragments did you take up? And they said, seven. <laughs> so he said to them, how is it you don't understand? Man, there's so many times that, that it's easy. It's fun. It's funny. But I do this all the time. I forget. I have to remind myself sometimes when I'm battling a sickness, when I'm battling a depression, it's real easy for me to ju just accept it. Have you forgotten? I remember there's a time when Ruby was little and, and we were at some people's house and we were visiting up in Colorado and, and this big tall guy, he's like six foot eight. He's a, like the nicest guy. And he was out there, big old Italian guy. He kind of looked intimidating. And so we always joke he's mafia or something. But anyway, he, he was swinging Ruby by her arm. She was about two. Swinging her, and she was laughing, laughing. And then suddenly she stopped laughing, and she just started screaming. And he put her down, and she held her arm like this. Only two. Couldn't really communicate what was going on. But she, she held her arm to her chest and was just screaming. And I went up to try to touch it, and she just was losing her mind. And I thought, broke it or pulled something? I don't know. But everyone was like, oh, yeah, that's, that's broken. She broke her arm. And I'm like, shut up. And so I, I'm like, all right, thanks, doctors, everybody. Uh, let's get her out of the party. It was a 4th of July party, by the way, so a bunch of people. And I took her outside, took her out. And me and Laura were just like speaking life, speaking to our mountain, 
commanding that arm to be healed, and nothing was happening. So then the guy that broke my sweet little girl's arm, <laughs> he came out, he was crying, this giant man just crying, he felt terrible. And I was like, you should feel terrible. God doesn't condemn, but I ain't God. So I was unhappy. So anyway, we're still speaking to things, and what do we do? We, we don't say, oh, no, it didn't work. Oh, no, it didn't work. No, we, we picked her up. We put her in the van. We're on our way to the urgent care. She's, Laura's sitting in the back seat with her, not be seat belted. It's okay. We're not under the law. So she's crying and, and just holding her, and we're, like, just speaking life. The guy's in the passenger seat crying, and I'm happy that he's crying, but I'm upset that, okay. So anyway, we get to the urgent care, and we're on our way, and I'm like, man, we don't have insurance. This is not good. I know the second those glass doors open, we're going to be charged like $12,000. So I'm like, we're still speaking, and suddenly she stops crying, and she just starts laughing out of nowhere, just laughing, not just okay, she's a little better. No, just complete 180. And we, we had a, a little ball in the back seat, and we handed it to her, and she just started throwing it, and everything was fine. Why didn't, why didn't a, a healing take place right when we spoke to it? I don't know, nor do I care. But I'm happy that my heart was in a place to not get discouraged when things weren't working out the way that I thought they should or could. It's okay. Don't give up just because the results don't happen immediately. Even in this situation, they saw Jesus. They thought he was a ghost. This whole Peter walking on the water thing takes place. And then the storm didn't cease. The storm didn't cease until he got in the boat. He's telling them to be of good cheer in the middle of a storm. Nothing had changed. But their heart needed a little work. We have to remind ourselves of those things. And so now, whenever things don't, aren't working the, the same way, I, I kind of fall into this, oh, why isn't it working? And I start beating myself up. Why didn't it work? And then I just got to remind myself of the times like with, with, with Ruby, whenever that happened, or countless other times that this has taken place. There's, I mean, I could tell you so many, just you can't explain it other than this is true. This is the only way I can explain it to you. Whenever I lay hands on my, my little girl's leg that's just pouring with blood because she tripped on something, I put my hands on it, I tell it to stop bleeding, I pull my hand away and it's completely dried up and healed. What? That doesn't... That's weird. Okay. You're weird. You've got to remind ourselves of these things. Psalms 103 Psalm 103, verse 1 says, Bless the Lord, O my soul. I love this because he's telling his soul. Listen, bless the Lord, soul. Bless the Lord, O my soul, and all that is within me. Bless his holy name. Bless the Lord, O my soul, and forget not all his benefits. Who forgives all your iniquities, who heals all your diseases, who redeems your life from destruction, who crowns you with loving kindness and tender mercies, who satisfies your mouth with good things so that your youth is renewed like the eagles. Remind yourself that that is true. And if it doesn't work out, still true. Why didn't it work out? I don't know. That's between you and God. But I've experienced too much to be convinced otherwise at this point. 
Even communion, talk about communion, is a very powerful thing, but is there powerful, or is there power in the elements that you're taking? Or is, it, is there power in what those elements represent? Jesus says, do this in what? Remembrance of me. God has given us a tool to put our hands to, knowing how we are. Put your hand to something. Do this in remembrance of me. This is gonna help you remember. This is my body, this is my blood. This is what I've accomplished for you. This is, this is what makes you, you. This is why your identity is in me. Do this in remembrance of that. Oh boy, all right, quickly. So, forgetting. Second sign of a hardened heart is fear. When Jesus walked on the water, this is Mark 6, 49. When they saw him walking on the sea, they supposed it was a ghost and cried out, for they all saw him and were troubled. Like I said, I, I think that they saw him. They weren't able to see this miracle of Peter walking on the water because they were just afraid. Their heart was hardened. They forgot, and now they're full of fear and unwilling to see things for what they really were. 2 Timothy 1.7 says, for God has not given us a spirit of fear, but of power and of love and of a sound mind. I remember when I worked at the, a prayer line up in Colorado Springs, and this, we, we would get this guy call in every day, every day, every day. Same problem. I'm afraid. He had just some crazy phobias or he couldn't even leave his apartment. Just afraid of everything. And, and he would call and... I'm, you need to speak the truth of God's word over you. That's what some of the ministers would say. So he's like, okay, 2 Timothy, God has not given us a spirit of fear. God has not given us a spirit of fear. God has not given us a spirit of fear. I'm speaking God's word over my situation. Why am I not seeing a breakthrough here? What's the second half of that verse? But of power and of love and of sound mind. We said, how about you speak that? Don't focus on what you don't have. Focus on what you do have because you're magnifying the fear. Even though you're saying, I don't have a spirit of fear, you're magnifying the problem. That's why that's all you can think about. But what do you have? You have power and love and sound mind. That's, that's what you have. That's what, who you are. That's what this is. That's, that's who you truly are. Your soul is telling you fear. But God says power, love, sound mind. And guess what? He started speaking that over himself and we never heard from him again. So we have to just remind ourselves of these things. Don't forget these things and don't allow fear to run the show. And there, there could be so many things. You could be, have a fear of other people's opinions, fear of failure. I hear it all the time. What if I fail? What if you don't fail? What if you step out? What if you step out and you succeed? Because I want to live a life when I look back at my life, I don't want to wonder what if. What if I had stepped out? What if I didn't let fear run the show? I'd rather step out and fail than always wonder what if. Because if I step out and fail, guess what? Just like Peter, Jesus was right there to pull him back up. You just keep trusting, you keep believing, you keep remembering everything that God's done in your life. And if you can't think of a single thing, use my stories. Because there's something God is moving in your life. You have to choose to see it. You have to remind yourself that it is happening. It has happened and it will continue to happen. This is the most 
in my opinion, the most important message that you could ever hear. This is the message that will spark something on the inside of you to step out on the water, to decide this is the life that I wanna live. I'm done living life as usual. I'm done living the way that everybody else lives. I'm done trying to live the American dream when the American dream is producing more depression and anxiety than we've ever experienced before. That's not happiness. But I can't tell you what happiness looks like for you. You have to figure that out. But it's something. So if there's an area, maybe it's your whole life, maybe it's specific areas of your life, acknowledge it. Say, this is not where I want to be. And guess what? You have the power to change it. You have the power to convince your heart of something, to let not your heart be troubled. You have the power to not have a hardened heart. You have that ability. No one else can do it for you. But if you're happy or if you're good, great. That's what when people argue with me about stuff, I just want to say, how's it working for you? How's what you believe working for you? Doesn't seem that good. But if you're comfortable, I'm good too. I'm not going to argue. I'm not going to debate with people because I want to progressively experience more of the power of God unleashed in my life. I want to experience more joy and more happiness and more love because there's more. There's always more. Exceedingly, abundantly greater than we could ever ask or think. So if you think you've reached it, if you think you have nothing else to learn, okay. It's calloused. I think whenever you come to the realization and you can admit that you don't know everything, that's when you get to experience a lot more. The second you say, I already know, I'm done, let's move on, you just limited what God can do in your life. Mm-mm-mm. <laughs> oh my goodness, I'm so sorry. One more, one more. Because I can't just leave with that. Overcoming, overcome, how to over, okay. Overcoming a hardened heart. A hardened heart produces forgetfulness and fear. And the only way to overcome forgetfulness and fear is through faith. I like to use old trusty here. I should put it on the wall. Hebrews 11.1 1 in the Amplified. Now faith is the assurance, the confirmation, the title deed of the things we hope for, being proof of the things we do not see and the conviction of their reality, faith perceiving as real fact what is not revealed to the senses. This is where these two things right here, your senses will be screaming at you. What you see, taste, touch, smell, and hear. It might look bad, it might look bleak, the storms and the waves and the wind, all of it could just look terrible. But if we can perceive as real fact what's not revealed, to the senses by faith. If we can live in this place, all that stuff, none of it matters. Ain't no thing but a chicken wing. We could just keep on trucking. The storm's coming, okay, I'll figure it out. I'm not alone. He'll never leave me, leave me nor forsake me. I'm not in this fight alone. I can overcome this. I've overcome so much more. God's overcome, helped me overcome so much in my life. This is just one more. This is one more testimony to tell, one more example to set for the world. But I'm going to perceive as real fact what's not revealed to this body, that pain, mm, he says I'm healed. The, my, my bank account, my, the, my emotions, my, the depression, the anxiety, the post-traumatic stress, whatever it might be, the anger problems, I've battled it all. <laughs> I've battled it all. 
And so how did I get over it? Well, it's still a battle sometimes, but faith perceiving as real fact was not revealed to the senses. What does God say about me? He doesn't say I'm depressed. I know that. He doesn't say that I, I should expect the worst. He says to live life and life more abundantly. That's why he came. And that's what I'm going to put my trust in. That's that anchor that Lindsay was talking about. I'll end it with this. You can get up if you want. We're ending the series. So that could go on and on and on. And the heart deserves its own series, which it will, because we're doing this forever, you know. But all this stuff, this is, this is like a, a saturated version where I would love to just break it apart. This deserves a lot more time, but I hope that there's something you could grab from this this morning. But essentially, God's calling you out. He's calling you out. Get in the boat. But it doesn't stop with that. It's not, not just this decision to, to move into something new, but it just gets, it keeps growing. Get out on the water. Walk on the water. If you start to sink, trust him. We just continuously grow in this. Remind yourself of his goodness, the benefits of this relationship. There's a lot of them. Remind yourself of his love and expect a life that requires a supernatural explanation. Amen? Amen. Father, thank you so much for your power that lives within me. Lord, I thank you that, that we don't have to look forward to something, but the kingdom of God is within us. Now it's our job to discover more of it, to release that, from live, to live from the inside and release it to the outside. As we live by faith, our senses will catch up to what we can only see by faith right now. So Lord, I thank you that the cross worked. I thank you that our sins don't hold more power than the cross. I thank you that, that nothing we can do can undo what you've done. Now it's up to us to move forward, to expect greater things, and to live that life that requires a supernatural explanation. So I just speak that over everyone here this morning to continue to remember these things every day this week. Lord, we thank you for what you're doing at this church. The best is yet to come. We're expecting great things. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. Thank you. Pastor Clint, thank you. Oh, man, this is where it's at for me, uh, living by faith, uh, what's, where it's not revealed to the senses, and um, in that spirit self and letting that spirit overflow like rivers of living water from that spirit into my soul and in my body, and, um, and just uh, uh, the prosperity of my soul, the prosperity of my body when I live by faith from that perfect spirit that's uncorrupted and that lives inside of me, that is the kingdom of God. Um, <clears throat> so if you came prepared to, um, if you came prepared to give today, um, we, we receive an offering here at Grace Life Church, and you can do that by cash or check written to Grace Life Church, drop it in the drop box back there. We don't pass a, uh, anything around. Uh, you can give online at gracelifeonline.com, make a profile, or you can scan a QR code anytime and, and access that as well. Um, <clears throat> like uh, living in the spirit 
Am I living uh, in, in a, and tie this in with the offering, am I living in lack? Is, am I feeling in, like I'm in lack, like I don't have enough to sustain myself or my way of living? Well, all those feelings, you are complete. You are, you are sufficient in all things, right, in, in Christ's sufficiency. And am, am I greed? You know, am I greedy? Do I have greed in my heart for more even if I have abundance financially. It, those feelings that I get um, of greed, well, if I'm already co- completely whole in my spirit and I'm living from my spirit in my soul and body, then I don't need those feelings. Like, what are, what are more dollar bills, green, um, you know, pieces of paper with pictures of dead president on them? You know, what, what do they do? They give me good feelings sometimes. But if I'm already sufficient and uh, prosperous in my soul, in, in my spirit, and I'm living from my spirit, spirit in my soul, then you, um, uh, then you already have that need, those feelings that you get from those dollar bills, right? So that's just, that's a, a big deal. And I want to go to Hebrews 4.12 um, in, let's say, the Amplified, if you can, Forrest Cody, sorry to pop that on you. But it says, the word is living and active and sharper than any two-edged sword, um, even piercing as to the division of soul and spirit. So that the word here, for the word of God, and who, and who is the word of God? It's the logos of God, the logic of God. And it says, in the beginning was the word, and the word was God, and the word was with God. And I may have gotten that back and switched around. But uh, it's Jesus, and the word uh, came and dwelt among us, right? So the, the word of God is alive and, f- and full of power. It is sharper than any two-edged sword, penetrating to, to this hardened heart right here and letting your spirit overflow into the soul and body, penetrating to the dividing line of the soul and spirit and the, of joints and marrow for the deepest parts of our nature. All right, so um, let's pray for the offering, and then we have something special right afterwards, so we'll stay seated. Uh, Father, we thank you for the abundance of your grace, the abundant provision, abundant mercy, abundant healing abundant generosity and abundant peace that you provide. Thank you for the fertile soil here at Grace Life Church in which we can sow. And thank you for blessing and prospering this seed that we sow today. In Jesus' name I pray, amen. Um, And if y'all don't know, uh, this is the month of October, and October is Pastor Appreciation Month, which I found out a few weeks ago. Thank you, Dana. And uh, so we wanted to put on something nice for cl- pastors Clint and Laura. And, <clears throat> and so what we're going to do is we're going to have a, uh, we're going to present some gifts to them. If y'all want to come up and accept your gifts. So we want to, uh, we just want to show our appreciation for, um, for everything that you, all the blessings that they've poured out on us throughout the years, if you've been, been here any amount of time. Uh, we thank you from the bottom of our hearts. A lot of us put this together, and, um, you know, everybody's wrote a little uh, uh, appreciation card, so, of what you mean to them in their lives. And if the memo didn't get around to everybody, we couldn't send out, like, a mass text notification, otherwise it would have gotten back to... To them, so, um, but yeah. So, Stephanie, do you want to bring up some of the gifts in the back? She's coming. 
But, uh, and, nope, okay, there she is. So, so Laura, you get some flowers. Clint doesn't get flowers. <laughs> but we did make some plaques for you, and we have a lot of thank you cards. So there's a lot of them. And I didn't get around to making mine yet. So if, if y'all haven't and you want to um, at a later date, then you are perfectly uh, encouraged and welcome to do that as well. Um, there's a lot of them here. And so do you want to read them out loud? No, I'm kidding. I'm kidding. I'm kidding. So <laughs> there might be some personal stuff in there. But um, so here's your plaque. It is a lighthouse and an anchor. <laughs> Do you want to um, do you want to explain the uh, importance of your tattoos? No. No. Okay. And then um, the coup de gras, the most expensive part of this um, of this was the diamond that we the one carat cubic zirconia that we put up here. Uh, it's uh, it's a diamond, and y'all and y'all know that Clint always talks about the the love of God as a diamond. You 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 change it just a, a millimeter, and it gives you a whole new perspective of that diamond with all the angles and light that's going on in here. So I want to present this to Pastor Clint Zeller. Thank you so much for blessing us. Thank you, and Pastor Laura had to have Clint's tattoo on her uh, her gift as well, her plaque. So um, what we're going to do is we're going to have a pop-up potluck. We, nobody has to bring any food, obviously, since you didn't know about it. But we are providing the food. <laughs> and so stick around. If you're new here, fellowship with us um, uh, in the foyer, and we'll serve snacks and, and flowers. Uh, not flowers. <laughs> sandwiches. <laughs> we have flowers. Um, and then, yeah, and then... Um, so also, we want to, um, if you're new here, we only take one offering during church, but we also, we want to bless Clint and Laura today. If you are feeling abundantly generous, uh, then in response to the blessings that they have poured out on us over the years and our children, then uh, we'll give you an opportunity to do, to do that in the back and the sacrifices that they have made, um, you know, financially. If, it, if it's on your heart, then you have that opportunity in the, in the foyer. So um, let's enjoy. We love everybody here and we love our pastors thank you so much 